What does it mean to have an authentic faith? And so for the next few minutes here, um, we're going to have Mr. Ethan Nunley, and then afterwards we'll have Miss Hannah Lamb um, come and share with you uh, what it means to have an authentic faith in Jesus. So, Ethan. Hi, I am Ethan Nunnally. Um, most of you probably know me. I am uh, Pastor Jamie's son. Um, I've done this once or twice before, and it's still just as nerve-wracking as it was the first two times. So um, bear with me. Um, so I'm talking about doubts today first. Hannah's going to talk about faith, I think. I'm talking about doubts first. Um, so I'm, I'm going to talk about Three things you can do when you're confronted with doubts. Um, First, I want to start with this story. Um, Many of you know my drain story about how I was sucked through a drain. I'll talk more about it uh, later for for more details. But um, when I tell people the story, uh, their first reaction is often shock. Like, nah, you didn't get sucked down a drain. Like, when does that ever happen? Um, but But I did because I have scars I can show them. I have medical reports. I have eyewitnesses. Um, so I can have people believe my story. Uh, likewise, there are a lot of people who doubt the story of Jesus. There are many different reasons why someone can doubt. Maybe they grew up in an unchurched home. Maybe they experienced tragedy. But doubt is not exclusive to just those people. Everyone at some point in their walk with God has experienced doubt. And that's okay. Some of the most extraordinary people in the Bible doubted. Everyone doubts. Um, John the Baptist, who proclaimed the coming of Jesus, later doubted why he was in prison. The same guy who who baptized Jesus and who saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove doubted him later while he was imprisoned. Um, Thomas, who was a disciple of Jesus and heard everything that Jesus taught and, and saw all the miracles he performed, still doubted later about his resurrection, and said, I will not believe until I see the holes in his hands. So, um, just like I can prove my story with evidence, Jesus' story can be um, proved with evidence also. There's things you can do to cure your doubts about his story. Um, The first one is, the first point I have is to learn the facts and to learn more about the Bible. Um... So I don't have time to go into a bunch of specific details, but here are some easily researchable facts that I like to think about when I start to doubt. Um, uh, first is to learn more about the Bible. Uh, the Bible is very verifiable. Um, think about it this way. There's 66 books in the Bible. There's 40 different authors. And uh, they spoke three different languages, and they are spread out over three different continents. Yet they all told the same story from start to finish. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, because we can't even get two people to vote on the same person. But like 40 different authors, many of which who didn't even know each other, most of which who didn't even know each other, on three different continents are all telling the same accounts and the same story from start to finish about God and Jesus. Um, I think that's pretty amazing. Um, also... We see one of, some of my favorite. I'm, this is, this is, I love studying this stuff. I'm such a theology nerd, so this is definitely something I like studying. Um, there's a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament 
that were recorded, uh, that we've seen recorded, like thousands, like in the thousand BC, uh, those prophecies coming true, written down in the New Testament. Um, there's there's a bunch. There's like fifty two messianic pro- prophecies, um, and just the the chances of two of those coming true is like to the millionth power. So to have all of those come true is truly something amazing to think about. Um, something else people, people doubt is the resurrection of Jesus. But we have eyewitness testimonies um, all over. Luke, um, all the Gospels, are, those, are all, those are all written down accounts and testimonies of people who saw Jesus. Um, something else that I found out recently that I liked a lot was... Uh, a Jewish historian named Josephus who actually wrote during the time of Jesus and recorded accounts of the disciples' um, eyewitness accounts of Jesus. Um, We see Paul who left everything to go tell the story of Jesus. Um, this, this, This is some amazing stuff and we know that something happened. So those are just a few things that I like to think about, about the Bible, facts about the Bible, whenever I feel myself starting to doubt. That really kind of brings me back. Um, my second point is to remember God's faithfulness. Um, remember what God has done for you in the past. Um, remember times that, he's, that you've felt his specific presence and you've had a time where you know God intervened. Um, for me, this is my drain story. This is the drain. Um, when I was 12, I was sucked through a drain, a drain pipe that went under the road and carried me for about 100 yards. Um, uh, the pipe was about 30 inches in diameter, and there should have been no way that I actually survived this. And statistically, I should be dead. And to this day, I have not heard a similar story where someone else survived. Um, but I'm not. I'm not dead. I'm alive. Um, um, that's how I know that God intervened in that situation so whenever I find myself going through a hard time and I find myself doubting I always go back to that and I always go back to specific times I felt his presence um, we, see, we see remembrance of God's faithfulness in scripture too um, in 1 Samuel 7.12 uh, it says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzpah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help, um, saying, thus, thus far the Lord has helped us. So we see here um, that Samuel built a statue for his people to remember God's faithfulness by. Uh, also, in Joshua 4.1, um, it's, it's a sort of long story about the River of Jordan, but the part that's important is when he says, these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So um, they actually set up these stones, and they, they said, set up these stones so that when your children see them and ask, what does this mean, you can say it's because it's of God's faithfulness. So this is something that is put into practice in Scripture also, and it's something that we should follow suit. So what are your stones and Ebenezer's? What are stuff that you can? What are things that you, times that you can reflect on, and remember God's presence and His faithfulness to you? Um, my last point is simple, but often missed a lot, um, and it's just to grow closer to God. Um, 
you, you can't be comforted by something that's far away. Um, so if you draw near to God, you need to draw near to God to have the comfort. You can't lay down in your bed in a, in a different room because that doesn't make any sense. You have to go towards your bed and lay down in it to have the comfort of your bed. Uh, same way, you can't have the comfort of Jesus if you distance yourself from that. Um, so what does growing closer to God look like? People say this a lot, like, Jamie, man, just, just grow closer to God. But, like, that doesn't help me. Like, what does that mean? So this is, this is what I mean when I say grow closer to God. Um, three things. Read your Bible. The easiest way to get started reading your Bible is just to get the Bible app and read the verse of the day every single day. And whenever you see that verse, go to the chapter and read the chapter that it's from. Um, it doesn't take any more than five minutes. Um, put on worship music. This is, this is my favorite. Um, whenever I'm feeling stressed out or just distant from God, my favorite thing to do is just to put on my headphones um, and then just lay down and do whatever and just soak in worship music and just feel his presence. That's my favorite way. Um, pray. Pray to God. Um, talk to him like he's your friend. God's, because don't talk to him like he is distant. Talk to him like he's close, like he's your friend. Um, and then be open to hear the voice of God when you pray. Um, th- there's, no, there's no better way to stop doubting than when you hear his voice. So th- those are my three points. That's all I have. Um, three out of eight. Learn the facts. Learn more about the Bible. Remember God's faithfulness in your life. And grow closer to God. Thank you. Give me a hug. One of the things that we often forget um, is that Jesus isn't mad at us for our doubts. Um, Just like, this is one of the things that really revolutionized my faith, and I told my testimony to the students uh, about my struggling with my faith um, in my, you know, late teenage years. Um, One of the things that set me free from my doubt was realizing that Jesus was not afraid of them. Um, Just like Thomas, and I say this so much because it's a story that speaks to my, just the heart of my heart is that when Thomas said, I will not believe unless I see the holes in his hands and the piercing in his side, then I'll believe. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he doesn't slap him and say, ah, why, you know, you should just believe. No, he takes Thomas's hand in his hand and puts him in the holes and touches his side. And then Thomas says, my Lord, my God. So Jesus walks with us through our doubts. And now Miss Hannah Lamb is going to show us how to live out an authentic faith. Good morning. I'm Hannah Lamb, and I'm going to talk to you today about faith, how we can get doubt out of our life and faith in. We have been given a three-ingredient recipe to having faith in our life. The recipe to having faith in our life is hearing the word, saying the word, and doing the word. First, we have to know what faith is, so I'll define it. The dictionary definition says faith is complete trust in someone or something. The biblical definition is Hebrews 11.1, which says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the NLT, it says faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. I was taught that faith has a two-part definition. First, believing in God's word, and secondly, acting on it. 
So when we put it all together, it is complete trust in God and acting on his word or doing what his word says that brings what we have hoped for into reality. Another way to explain faith in the physical is if you see a chair. If you see the chair and want to sit on it, you have faith. First, you believe that it will hold you, and the action part of your faith is sitting in the chair. Another way to explain faith is really expecting something good. Like a kid at Christmas, you've asked for something that you know that's going to be there, so now you're expecting it. So faith is believing in God's word and acting on it. Our first ingredient of faith is hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is how it works. When you hear something, it gets in you and grows. Have you ever heard a really catchy song that you just couldn't get out of your head? Well, the Bible's the same way. When you hear faith or the truth about God's word, it gets in your heart and takes root and and begins to grow. After a little bit of time, it's all you can think about is the goodness of God and how faithful he is to his children. Hearing the word is how we know what is ours as a child of God. It is our roadmap for life. It teaches us how good God is and what all he has done for us. So what can we use to grow our faith by hearing? You can listen to preachers or teachers or even the audio Bible. But the best way to me is to read your Bible out loud because the greatest voice of faith you will ever hear is your own. Our second ingredient is speaking the word of God. Mark eleven twenty two through 23 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things will be done, he will have whatever he says. Jesus tells us to speak the word so that we can have access to what he has given us. But the only way you know what he's given you is if you've heard it. The mountains are the situations and circumstances that we face in life, things like doubt or unsaved family. We speak scriptures over those situations and they will begin to change. He wants us to put this principle into practice and even what we would consider little things. For example, when I was first learning about faith, there was a very specific doll that I wanted. I didn't tell my mom and dad because I didn't want them to go get it for me. I wanted my faith to bring it in. So I I wrote down what I wanted and wrote some scriptures next to it. And every morning I woke up and spoke those scriptures so that when doubt crept in, I could speak against it. The same thing has worked for healing and anything pretty much that I've believed for. And it will work for you. But in all these situations, to get doubt out, I had to speak scripture. I had written down what I was believing for. Jesus spoke to a fig tree in Mark eleven, twelve through 14, which says, Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he could find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said, let no one ever eat fruit from you again. Our situations and circumstances and doubts have to be spoken to just like the fig tree. Our third ingredient is doing the word. 
Matthew 14, 25-33 says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come out of, down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was, have, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. I think it is very interesting that all three ingredients of faith are, have been shown in this one passage. When Peter heard faith, it was Jesus saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then Peter spoke or responded, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. And Peter's do was when he stepped out onto the water. All of his disciples were in the boat, but only Peter had enough faith to step out out of the boat and into the water with Jesus. Peter took action. He stepped on the water in the natural, but in the spirit he stepped out on the word. As long as he stayed focused on the word, he walked. There will be times in our lives that God will tell us to do things that will require us to step out onto the water. Things like... Sharing Jesus with others. This may be huge for some of us and not so much for others. Or praying for someone in the grocery or giving your first time offering. It doesn't matter what he has asked you to do. He will always enable you to do it. There will come a point in all of our lives that he will ask you to come. When he calls, will you step out of the water, out onto the water, or stay in the boat? I challenge us all today to step out of the boat that is our comfort zone. Once you are out, throw some dynamite onto the boat, blow it into tiny little pieces, and walk with Jesus. Peter did the first half. He stepped out. He just forgot to blow up his comfort zone. Peter started to sink because he gave control to his doubtful head instead of his full of faith heart. You can have doubt in your head and faith in your heart. Jesus didn't let Peter drown just because he messed up and slipped back into his old habit of letting his mind lead instead of his heart. Jesus will still love us even when we let our, when we let our head lead us instead of our heart. Just like the father of the demon-possessed boy in Mark 9. When the disciples couldn't deliver his son, he went to Jesus having faith in his heart and doubt in his head and said to Jesus, I believe but help me with my unbelief. And Jesus delivered his son despite the doubt he had in his head. The enemy will try to use doubt in so many ways, but the end goal is to always keep us from believing in Jesus. As a believer, doubt does not belong to you. As a believer, faith belongs to you. To get faith in and working in our lives, we have to hear the word, say the word, and do the word. And if your do isn't working, then you're not hearing or speaking enough faith. I want everyone to say this with me. I am 
an active believer of the word. I am an active hearer of the word. I am an active speaker of the word. And I am an active doer. So in conclusion, authentic faith faces doubt and moves forward in action. Thomas, Peter, and the father of the demon-possessed son doubted, but Jesus loved them anyways and showed them what they were looking for. That was really good. (laughs) Can we give it up for our speakers one more time? Those are your kids. Those are your grandkids. Those are your nieces and nephews. Um, Those are the future of our faith. And uh, despite what I see on the crazy fringe Christian websites, I have faith in the future of Christianity. Not because of what I see on Facebook, um, but because of what I see with my own two eyes. Because of what I just sat and listened to. Um, because of the worship that I heard, because of the smiling faces that I saw in the foyer and the people in the coffee shop, that's why I have faith in the future. Um, we have an amazing group of students, and they, this has been my first year of full-time student ministry, and uh, I'll be honest with you guys, I thought I knew what I was doing, and then after the first week, actually the first trip, it was before my first week, I, I realized I had no clue what I was doing, but... Through getting to work with these kids and work with the staff here and work with you, you amazing VFC people, um, we have made it through this school year. Um, and I'm super proud. I'm proud of our seniors. I'm proud of our students that are, are moving into the high school class and our students that are you know, becoming leaders in the middle school class. Um, we've done some really cool things this year. And I just wanted to share with the last few minutes that I had a couple of the things. So our goal for this year was just to throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and see what stuck. And so we did that. We had event after event. And I know our parents are like, yes, you did. You had event after event. Um, and so a few of the things that, a few of the big wins that we had this year, um, if I remember correctly, we had at least five or six salvations this year. So that's amazing. Jesus is doing work. Um, a majority of those came at our D-Now, here, our local D-Now here in Thomasville, which I'll talk about in a second. But a few of the things that um, really stuck really well, um, first off, was a Youth Week. We had that last October, and that was um, a half, really was half a week that we dedicated to doing an event every night um, here at the church. We had a mud pit. We had a lot of people come together from the church and uh, help us dig a mud pit. That was incredible and dangerous. Um, not dangerous, I didn't say that. Um, but we had a lot of fun with the mud pit. Um, we had a cup, we had like a Halloween theme night or it was like a fall festival type night. And then we did, um, at, on Saturday, um, we had our first ever color war, which was absolutely incredible. And some of the parents were like, yeah, you still, you stained my car seats. And um, my, the biggest complaint from the students was my armpits were blue for like the next three days. But we had such a fun time there. Um, then moving on, we had our Christmas extravaganza, which was so cool. Um, and I wanted to thank all the parents that came out and brought meals and helped serve food at that. Um, that was one of our biggest events that we had this year. We had a little over 50 students 
um, come to that. So that was incredible, and it was a great outreach to the community. We got, um, we got, we actually had some students get plugged into our student ministry because of that, which is why we do big events like that. Um, it was, it was crazy. Um, we had so much fun. If y'all had just seen the sanctuary that night, it was, it was just so much fun. Um, moving on, we went to Winter Ramp, and the kids really got wrecked. That was a cool, intimate little trip that we took, and um, the kids really got to experience um, God on a firsthand basis. It was amazing. Had some some parents help out with that. That was great. Um, then we did D Now, which is a local uh, discipleship event here in Thomasville. Um, one of the things that we wanted to focus on um, was getting plugged into the community. Um, we didn't want to sit here in our little nick of the woods over here off of 202. Um, we wanted to get plugged into the student body of Thomas County. And so we decided we were going to get plugged into D Now, which is Disciple Now. It's an event where um, all of the student, all the youth groups in Thomas County come together under one roof and worship together and hear the word together. Um, and then they split up into small groups and, uh, and stay at host homes. Um, and we had a lot of parent help with that as well. And it was incredible. And I got to stay with the guys in a house of like 16 guys. Um, and I didn't sleep that whole weekend. Um, so um, I, was, uh, I, was, I felt born again after that, that first night of sleep after, I got, after that weekend. I was like, wow, is this what sleep feels like? Um, so we had an incredible time there. And just, man, we have done so much stuff this year. And if you saw a common theme with all that, I had so much parent help. Guys, parents, you are another special group of people that without your involvement, without people bringing food on Wednesdays and cooking food on Wednesdays and going on trips with us and, and donating their time and their money for food and, 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 and transportation, um, you parents and family, you are what makes Ignite Student Ministry what it is. So I just want to thank you so much. Can we give our parents a hand? And finally, I just want to tell you our vision. It's the same vision we had last year. It's know me, teach me, and guide me. Um, We want every student to feel known um, before anything else happens. We want them to know that we know them, we love them, we care for them, and they belong to us. Um, Secondly, uh, teach me. We want the students to be prepared. One of the things that we found out last year is that students don't feel prepared for their first semester in college. Their first semester in college, students are leaving the faith because they weren't taught. And so one of the things that we did to combat that was work on curriculums. We, me and Steph got together every week, uh, talked about what, what series we were going to do for the next month, planned heavily, planned accordingly, broke up into small groups and stuff like that. Um, so that's what we did this year to combat that. And finally, it's God. We want, these, we want the students to feel led, right? And what we wanted to do was partner with parents. Um, that's one area that we still feel like we could do better. We, we, I, I gave out some stats last year. Um, but to sum up those stats is you spend a whole lot more hours with your child than I do. Um, and your child's spiritual life is going to reflect your own. I asked this question. I actually wrote this down. I was talking with a parent. What if your student's spiritual life looked like yours? It does. It does. And so you need, that's, that's some of the things that you as a parent need to be working at. Um, and that's one of the things that the people at Ignite, me, Steph, and the leadership, we want to partner with you to do. And so that's going to be a big focus of ours this year is how can we get curriculum and stuff into the hands of the parents so we can make sure that you are also, you have ideas and fun things that you can do with your child um, to disciple your kid. And, and to give you a quick tip, one of those things is just ask them what they learned. What did you learn today at youth? What did y'all talk about? And hopefully you won't hear we stuck gummy bears to the ceiling or something, but... Um, 
That's, that's a tip that I can, just, I can give you right now. Ask your student every Wednesday, what did you learn? And if that's all you do, that's, a, that's, that's 50% of it right there. Um, they want to know that you're engaged in their spiritual life. Um, so I'm going to let Pastor Jamie close us down. Um, thank you so much, guys. Close us down. It looks like I'm the cops or something. Stopping the party. It's been a good morning, huh? Yeah. Has this been encouraging? Yeah. There's so much bad news out there about the younger generation. Guys, it's not all true. It's just not. God's moving. He's doing amazing things in our midst. Um, uh, but before I close this out, I just want us to, to give honor. Uh, we've, we've talked about the volunteers. We've talked about the parents. We've talked about the leadership team. But uh, I just want to publicly thank Eric for being the student ministries pastor and uh, doing such a good job. Good stuff, good stuff. I want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, at 5 o'clock this afternoon is Discover VFC. Uh, if you've never been through that, um, you're interested in learning more about this church, we would love to see you here. I'll be here at 5 o'clock here in the Worship Center. And then again, next Sunday is a big Sunday, okay? It's Christian T-Shirt Sunday. I already have mine picked out. It's going to be awesome. Um, we're going to have uh, uh, awards for the funniest, the best kids shirt, and the best homemade, all right? So you don't have to spend a bunch of money, make your own, okay? But this is an awesome opportunity to have fun and celebrate. So next Sunday, both services, wear your Christian t-shirt. And then that afternoon at 5 o'clock, we're all coming back here, and we're just going to celebrate as a church family. Bring a side dish, uh, bring a seat. Uh, we're going to have, it's, it's, just to clarify, it's a slip and slide, a huge slip and slide that, we're, that if you want to go down, you can. I will be going down, okay? It's going to be good. I believe in healing. Um, so, let's just see how much I believe. Um, so, yeah, so I encourage you. That's next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. We want everyone involved. And it's a good opportunity if you're a first service person to see some second service people and vice versa, okay? So let's stand. Just, just focus on the Lord real quick. Put your attention on him for a moment. He's good. He loves you. He knows you. Holy Spirit, we just give you permission to move in our hearts. Lord, we're so excited about what you're doing in our midst, both in the children's, the youth, and the adult ministry here. Lord, we say we want more. We want more. Lord, send us, send us those who no other churches want. Send us those, God, who are trained up and ready to get the work of the ministry done. Send us those who don't know Jesus so that we can introduce them to you. Father, we love you. Lord, as we leave this place, we leave full of your spirit and full of your presence. I'm going to call the altar ministry team up if, you got, if they'd come to this side. When I say amen in just a moment, you are free to come and get any kind of prayer that you want. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, if there's a situation in your life you want prayer for, whatever it is, they are here to pray with you. So, Father, we commit the rest of this day to you. Uh, Father, we, we thank you, Father, uh, for your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercy, and your love towards us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Love you guys. See you next week.